Hey everybody, it's Daphne at Laura Entertainment. We are sitting down with Jeff. I don't want to mess up your last name. Is it Carranza? Carranza, yes. Yes, I got it. And we are doing the interviews with soldiers segment. How are you doing, Jeff? We're good. How are you? I'm there. It's Christmas, you know, crazy shit. <laughs> so let me ask you this. Tell us a little bit about your program that you have. So I have a, a nonprofit in Georgia called Onset Soldiers. And the concept of it was built around, um, you know, giving back in some way to the community and, and the community around with Atlanta being a huge film community and having multiple military bases, you know, in the area, in the, in the Southeast, it was, you know, how can I, how can I give back something to veterans? And, and at the time I was working for, I think I just finished working for Marvel and working on Black Panther. And uh, I was like, well, you know what? I've got so many contacts in the industry. Why don't I do some kind of film training? Because over the years that I've done it here in Atlanta, some of the best people that I've worked with, whether it be AD department or, props or setback were all for military so i was like well you know what i can use my contacts and and the platform that i have with my casting to be able to do something and create a training program for that so onset soldiers is basically it's a two kind of chapter deal where we create a training program that's free to veterans um through sponsors and and, and grants if we can get grants uh, we do four to six weeks of training in all departments. And then while the training is happening, we're prepping an actual project. So at the end of training, they go straight to set and they get on the job training with people that work in the industry that can hire them on future projects. That's cool. That is definitely cool. I know a lot of actors actually that have been in the military. They make awesome actors. Oh, yeah. Fan, you know, fantastic crew and cast. Yeah. I added, I went ahead the other day and added your, um, the link for this actually is in the resource link that is up on the pages for lore. Definitely. So how long have you been doing this? Um, the nonprofit itself has been open. I want to say we're coming up on four years. We started it right before COVID happened. So we had done a couple things. We did a Thanksgiving kind of food event where, uh, we had friends and, and, you know, people in the community helped us to cook. Uh, I think we did like 20 turkeys, all kinds of sides and stuff. And we're creating like individual meals for people. Um, we had, and at one point we had a take a veteran fishing tournament that we were scheduling and then COVID started. So oh. everything within, you know, you know, breathing distance was basically canceled. So we hit a real big roadblock with that, um, with the COVID part, because, uh, you know, everything that we did was face-to-face. -face. Yeah. So not having the ability to do anything face-to-face, -face, you know, it wasn't worth it to continue to go after sponsors, because we had sponsorships from Walmart and, and, you know, a number of other places uh, that found value in what we were trying to do. But at that point, I couldn't, you know, keep going back to the sponsors saying, oh, we need more money for this program because we couldn't do the programs. Yeah. So we're rebooting it, we're restarting it now that we seem to have, you know, kind of gotten over that hurdle and uh, trying to see if we can attract some big corporate sponsors so that we can do some real big projects, you know, anywhere from a couple hundred thousand to a million or two. So you were in yourself, right? I did. I was Air Force for a few years and, and worked as security forces in Texas. You didn't fly? <laughs> 
I went in to be a helicopter pilot and uh, my eyesight was 20, 25 in one eye. So I didn't qualify at the time. And, uh, you know, I had the typical horror story with the recruiter, you know, basically filling my head full of nonsense just to get me to sign on the dotted line. And, and you know, I, I worked in college. I worked at a place called Office Max. <clears throat> Excuse me. And we had a fighter wing that was right in uh, St. Louis. And the pilots used to come in every once in a while. And they're like, oh, you should have just gone and gotten a waiver gotten LASIK and I was like well I was told that wasn't available and they're like yeah no it's definitely been available for years so I ended they up bullshitted you. yeah pretty much <laughs> you know, that's a typical recruiter story and when I got back from because uh, we we had some time off between um, tech and, and our station so I had two weeks um, I walked back in the recruiting office and and uh, the gentleman that was in there the officer that ran that that office looked out his window and came out and said, you need to come with me and pulled me into his office. He says, it looks like you're getting ready to do something really bad. So tell me what's going on. <laughs> I went through the whole spiel, you know, hazing and boot camp and just, just all kinds of stuff. It was, it was, he, he, I just wanted to go and look the guy in the eye that lied to me and, and tell him like what I thought of him. But, uh, you know, yeah. <laughs> it was, it was, that was an experience. Sometimes there's some dirty things going on behind the scenes of the military, but I mean, they get everybody. All in all, you know, it's 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 a decent yeah. career. You know, a lot yeah. of people benefit from it. We, you know, as a nation, we benefit from it. And and you can't, you know, you just have to admire anybody that's willing to give up years of their life for service to uh, to their country to you know make us secure. So. Yeah, because if it wasn't for you soldiers, you know, we would not, nobody, I mean, it doesn't even matter if it's in this industry or not in this industry, we would not have the freedom to do it. You know, people need to be a little bit more respectful. That's for sure. the way I feel about it, you know. But you also said you came from a, um, a big military family. Tell me about that. Yeah, my, my grandfather up. actually was a fighter pilot and um, he flew, actually, it's funny because my grandmother sent me some stuff a while back. And he flew with the Tuskegee Airmen, and um, one of his one of his uh, pilot partners in in uh, Lieutenant Daniel Chappie James Jr. Uh, my grandfather actually flew with him in the Korean War, wow. and then my uncles. I've got you know I've got three uncles, two of which one was a cytotechnologist for the military, and then my other uncle was a lieutenant colonel for the Air Force. And commanded a missile squadron in Sicily and has been stationed all over the world doing, you know, running bases, basically being the, the commanding officer bases. And then uh, my father was first sergeant in the Air Force and um, my mom was a, a tech sergeant in the Air Force and then she transitioned over to the Army. So, you know, a lot of people in the, in the family were military, even Alan Green, <laughs> astronaut from NASA, is, is my cousin. Wow. That so, is awesome. So your whole your whole life was growing up basically you were boot camps. Your whole life. A lot of military, <laughs> you know, a lot of military rules, you know, the way that we folded our clothes was military spec and I mean just it wasn't quite as bad, but when I went to boot, I already knew everything that I needed to know to get through the the detail part of it. And uh I even had my own brown tees, the the brownish green tees that um they issued you because I I had those things for years. So Wow. See, I've never served, but I still run my house kind of like a boot camp. <laughs> I did get a school sure. to be a police officer, though, years ago. Well, I mean, it was years ago. I was going to go into um, forensics, forensic mm -hmm. psychology, basically, to profile 
serial killer. Yeah. That was a big thing with me. But when my kids, they went into the the military, then you sit back and you, you worry, you know, because you never know what the hell is going to happen in the world. You have no idea. You know? Right. I've got a son right now that's looking at the military and, and he's, he's wanting to be a fighter pilot as well. So it's, it's scary, especially with the, the way that things are right now, you know, where what seems like it could be a day away from the war in, in some region. So how do you think you'd feel if he, if he joins? Uh, I mean, I, I would support the decisions that he's making. If that were the case, um, he's wanting to do his aviation degree program and then go in as an officer, which would be better in a way, but at the same time, it's, I have a, I have a hard time, like you were telling me before we started this, you know, you, you didn't get notified about something with your son and, and, you know, having somebody show up at my doorstep and handing me a flag. It's, uh, to me, my son's more valuable than that. So it's just, it's one of those things where it's, it's hard for me to see him go down that road when he has, you know, opportunities and, and he, he really needs to think his decisions through because that's, for that kind of a thing, that's a tenure versus like an enlisted doing four. Yeah. So he would have, you know, he would do ROTC through college and he would get his training that way and do a boot probably during the summer after second year of college. Um, you know, and, and it looks like they waive OCS now for ROTC in college. But at the same time, you know, once you're in, you're pretty much wherever they want you. You know, they want to station you over in the Middle East, you're stationed over in the Middle East and yeah. you don't really have a whole lot of choice. So. You know, if he does, it's great. If he doesn't, you know, I, I support him either way. And he could be a great airline pilot as well. So, yeah, my son, he is in the process of getting out of the army. But with the stipulation of he's re-enlisting into the National Guard, which I don't. OK, I'm not so really understanding why. To the other. Yeah, but he said because he he's stationed at Fort Hood. So they won't, I guess, deploy. And unless something severe deploy. happens, typically not. Yeah. Yeah. And when he told me that, I was like, why won't they deploy? He goes, they just don't deploy here. So I'm like, okay. I said, so you're going to get on to where you're going to get shipped off. You know, he's all excited about it. I'm not. He is, you know, because once again, it's your kid, you know. Right. Well, even if he didn't reenlist in the National Guard, there's still an inactive reserve period where they can call you back. Yeah. It used to be three years. I don't know if it's the same anymore. I know they, they've they got a lot of ad campaigns going on to get enlisted people because their their numbers have dropped severely. So um, by by transitioning over, that even may, may open up bonuses for doing that for him as well. Because that's what mom did. She, she was active duty for years. And then she went National Guard. So she only had to do drill once a month. Um, and luckily, it was... Uh, the army base she was stationed at was um, Camp Keys in Augusta, Maine. So we lived five minutes away. So she just drove in one weekend, and then every year they had annual training for two weeks, and she would go to Bangor, Maine, and do her annual training. Wow. How long was your mom in for total? She retired from the military, so I think she did right at 20 years. Um, wow. I believe it was right at 20 years and she ended up retiring out of the army because she went over to army after like 10 or 12 in the air force. And then my dad retired out of the army after I think 23 years. How long did you serve? I was in three and a half. Wow. That's a long time. Women soldiers, 
Yeah, I, I, my aunt was actually in the army, and I didn't even know. It, it, the whole time I've even been running the segment, and she goes, "Well, you know, I served." I'm like, "No, I did not actually know that." So I had her send me a picture, so I could put it into the because I told you, you know, my fate. I love doing these interviews, but I love the ending credits the way I have that set up, just because I get to put everybody's pictures in, and with the music and I just I think it it's so cool to sit there and watch all of those mm -hmm. pictures I love that it's, it's awesome. funny I went through some old photos that were sent to me and uh, I found my they take your picture and boot before I think it was even before we had our name tags and um just how young and how you know gung-ho totally clueless I was <laughs> in that photo and <laughs> It was just it was it was comical to look back and say, oh, my God, look at that. that it didn't even look like the same person. You'll have to send that to me so I could put yeah, it. I'll have to find time. it, scan it again. But yeah, yeah. definitely, because I love when people send me their pictures. I told everybody I was like, people are going to start hating the ending credits because it's eventually going to be three, four songs, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but right. it, it's good. Unless I can configure it, you know, as far as the credits into maybe something I can do on the website, you know, playing the music and just letting them roll through the pictures instead of killing people with the credits at the end. Right. <laughs> but it is what it is. I like it, <laughs> you know. <laughs> it's yeah, great. I took a look at it. It looked pretty good. Yeah. So if they called you right now, just right now, randomly and said, hey we need you to come back in, would you go? It depends on what they need me to do. <laughs> it really does. If it was to go back and do the same thing I did before, then I, I don't know if I would, you know, I, I enjoy working in film. And, yeah. uh, you know, if, if it was if it was down to, I've, I've looked into civilian jobs in the military and um, you know, I thought maybe at one point that might be an option and then bringing in like the media side of things. Um, but they they pretty much get that under control. They they've got you know I've I've got friends that got out of the military that were camera operators and that did all the production side stuff and so they there's really they would probably call someone else way before me, unfortunately. <laughs> so how long have you been in the film industry? Um, I started when I was a kid. You know, I did some acting when I was a kid, and then I moved around a little bit after you know after Texas, and then. Um, Atlanta, I came to Atlanta in late 2011. And within like six months, I was working on film sets as an actor. And uh, that slowly transitioned into casting by, um, it was a son of one of my mother's friends. He was casting a show here in Atlanta and, and kind of got me in doing some of the casting call stuff with them and helping out, you know, on days where they were busy. And then it was within a couple of months, I was full time on a show. I was doing a, a feature film and running the casting department on it so i did background casting i want to say for like six four four or five years and i started doing principal and background and then i started getting more into commercials and was doing casting for complete commercial campaigns um before i started transitioning more towards the upm side and producing so do you have a favorite project that you've done any funny stories um well, <laughs> i like hearing stories <laughs> I've worked on a lot of really cool projects. I loved watching how they work with the the fast franchise, for instance. Like we did a whole week of shooting just to get feet on pedals and hands shifting gears mm -hmm. a whole week. 
um yeah. you know we we they created these different scenarios like when the um the orange lamborghini goes through the ice that was done in a parking lot in norcross in georgia they just ran it down a ramp into the water and they used part of that and cg'd everything together wow. um you know the prison scenes that they where they had the riot scenes with uh Dwayne uh and um Jason Statham's characters that was all built inside of a warehouse they had a full two story prison built inside the warehouse and then the exteriors were built on the outside of the same building wow so it was pretty cool to see how that all came together but you know my favorite one so far has been uh, I worked with a company called Triple Horse Studios in Covington and they did a commercial campaign and a short film for the Museum of the Bible in Washington and, um, you know, I, I cast 100% of that thing. And we created the Declaration of Independence signing, the um, the Million Man March and Martin Luther King, Civil War reenacting scenes and stuff. That was probably the most fun, um, wow. just simply because of the, the scope of everything. And, you know, that's the I've, I've been given compliments on my casting and things in the past. And, and mm-hmm. I had several people on that one walk up to me and they're like, you know, this was absolutely the perfect casting. The only show that ever did it better was the Andy Griffith show. And I was like, yeah, I love that show growing up. So that was a huge yeah. compliment to me. Yeah, that's a notable one. I know quite, I've talked to quite a few people that have worked in the uh, Fast and the Furious movies because I love stunts. I mean, CGI is cool, but I'm one of them type of people where I love, I ride motorcycles. I'm huge on motorcycles and stick shifts and stuff like that but i love the stunts and the way that they're done and when they sat here and they tell me their stories about the stunts i'm just like hell yeah i would have loved to do that you know (laughs) i've got a lot of friends that are stunt stunt people and stunt coordinators in the industry and and i've done some car and some driving stunts myself and i absolutely love it in fact i'm sagging after four stunts hell yeah i mean that would just be so much fun you know and there's I know there's a lot of female stunt people, you know, stunt women out there, but there should be more, I believe, you know, mm, there should be a I lot agree. more stunts for females, you know. Well, one, one of the people that I really, one of, one of the first people I did stunts for in Atlanta, and I was just on a support team for a movie that James Franco was directing, um, Jennifer Badger here in Atlanta. She's a fantastic stunt woman. I mean, amazing stunt coordinator. Um, and it's, it was really great getting to work with her and, and a couple other people, you know, a friend of mine named Jessica, she's a stunt woman. And, you know, I've, I've met a lot of people over the years and, and I think it is transitioning. I think there's a lot more female stunts now than there were back in say like the eighties and nineties, even though, you know, like Jessica or not Jessica, um, Jennifer was, she's been in the industry for, for years now and, and has done really cool things from Charlie's angels to, you know, the, the Will Ferrell NASCAR movie. I can't even think of the name of that one, but, you know, she's done some huge, huge films. and Talladega Nights. Talladega Nights, yeah. Yeah. She's in that one, too, I believe. And, uh, <laughs> but, she, you know, people like her, actually, you know, she's she's amazing. She's an amazing, and her husband is an amazing stunt coordinator as well. They both they both work, you know, really hard in the industry. And, and um, you know, just like everyone else, one of my closest friends is Mark D'Alessandro. He was, was still on for, like, 27 27 to 30 movies or something like that and coordinated all of his stuff and you know it's i have a lot of respect for those people because they they put their bodies through horrors to get through you know some of these films and you know he was he always tells me about the scene in cliffhanger where he had to jump across the cliff and grab onto a ladder 
And he's like, it was it was real. Like if you missed, you you died. Like he he almost ripped his shoulder out doing that stunt. And uh, some of the stuff that they used to do was just pretty pretty wild west kind of stuff. So you got to respect that. Yeah, I mean, you know what makes me so mad is when you know that they're real. You've been there, you've seen it done yourself, but then you got people that are saying, "Oh, that's CGI." No, no. it's not. You know, I've been I've been completely <laughs> lit on fire before, and I know what it's like. You know, having just some gel and a thin you know suit on to protect you. So. I don't know if that that probably be the one I would probably stay clear of. I could do the driving. I could do the, you know, the motorcycles and some of the other crazy shit. But I don't think I would let somebody set me on fire. Well, believe it you or know? not, you're actually safer being lit on fire than you are in some of the car stunts. So really? Yeah, well, yeah. I don't know. I'd still be worried. <laughs> whole safety teams surround you. There's, you know, CO2 fire extinguishers and, and you know, they, they've got it pretty much ironed down. They know how to do it. So. I just hope they wouldn't be like, oh, let her burn, <laughs> you <Right>. know, <laughs> walk away. <laughs> See you later. <laughs> We're going to dinner. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we'll, we'll, we'll check on her when we get back. Right. I'm telling you. Well, I mean, you never know. You piss somebody off and they might, you know, just let you burn mm. a little bit longer than you should have been. You know, but I know they wouldn't. I know they wouldn't because they have to be very careful with the stuff that they do on these film sets. Well, the amount of safety that they have on sets now, it's, you know, we were doing uh, scenes where we had guys jumping out of a train and we had pads on the ground outside. And, and my job on that one was literally to sit there and watch them as they went through the scene to make sure they didn't fall. Because if they did, I had to be able to stop them from rolling yeah. because it rolled downhill slightly. And I, w I literally was sitting there getting paid to watch them act in, in the event that they fell out of the train or tripped or something so I could jump and grab them. Wow. That's the this extent on safety is even over the last eight years, 10 years, it's gotten extremely high. Wow. Uh, you know, we had a stuntman in Sonoya here. Um, he fell off of a scaffolding and it was a controlled fall, but something happened and he ended up missing the pad and passing because of it. And then with Sarah Jones on the train tracks with the camera department, you know, the, a lot of focus has been put into safety and, uh, and this, you know, even with the rush shooting, you know, a lot of people are like, you know, really, really hell bent on making sure sets are as safe as possible because you shouldn't, you shouldn't have to worry about going to work to film a movie and dying because something went wrong. That's true. He didn't roll underneath the train or anything, right? When that happened, when he fell? No, it was it was like on, from what I understood, he was on kind of a scissor lift and it was a fall. They were catching him falling to a, you know, a pad, but yeah. he ended up falling underneath whatever the platform was where there was no padding and hitting the ground. Yeah. I don't, I, I haven't heard a lot about the details of it. That was, you know, very little that I did here because it happened 15 minutes from my house. Wow. Yeah, it happened, you know, pretty much right down the road. So what what's the craziest thing that you've done as far as as far as stunts? Well, I used to do a lot of motorcycle work and um you know, I've I've done extremely high speed wheelies and things like that, 120 plus miles an hour. And um probably the craziest thing I've ever done was I, I had to drift a semi uh trailer in a scene. Mm -hmm. And they they do it in a way that there's a secondary set of wheels that drops in the back, which actually picks the the wheels, the axles off the ground. But it's still hard to control because yeah. there's somebody else steering that. So it's 
it wasn't really in my control. I was just driving a straight line, but that was kind of a, a nerve wracking one. Um, yeah, because I mean, it flipping my brother actually has, well, one of my brothers, he has a CDLs and driving all the gears and stuff. I'd be, they have to keep up with you right underneath of there. If they're driving something else while you're doing it. Right. Yeah. And it, if there had been a vehicle, this was more of like an accident scene where the truck came skidding to a stop. Uh, but anything can go wrong and you know yeah. i've seen brakes completely fell out on trucks for for no apparent reason so you're driving a vehicle that weighs 30 40,000 pounds yeah. you know towards groups of people even if they're not you know there it's still it you, know, you can do a lot of destruction and and if you roll a truck a lot of times they say you know it's it's almost a death sentence if you flip a semi on the driver's side yeah because you're hitting the ground as well Yep. So there's there's a high potential of of injury. Um, I've rolled cars. I've I've you know jumped things on motorcycles and cars, and it's uh you know each stunt has its own level of risk, and and uh, you know a lot of people are are you know they push for a while. They're like, if you don't feel safe, you need to say something. And and you know back in the day, films used to be more of if you say something, then you're just going to get replaced. So yeah. a lot of people got hurt because they, they didn't feel like they could say something because they, they were afraid of losing their jobs. And, and, you know, when you're, you're making, you know, a thousand a day, three, 4,000 a week, you know, if you're on a weekly, you're still making about three, you know, back in the day it was lower than that. But, you know, a lot of people are forced to feel like they can't say anything. Wow. But that that's crazy. We see me. Well, I'll tell you something about myself. My brother and I, my grandmother, this was back in the old years, years, years. I was young. She had like this property where she had like a junkyard set up, mm. you know, and there were school buses and all. Kind I think I, that's where I get my craziness from is my brother. And we would get on the dirt bikes and she had all these school buses and we jump, jump them all through the cars and everything. And I mean, me and my brother, we've done some crazy shit. I'm not even going <laughs> to. <laughs> I that's think that's why I'm so ballsy, you know. <laughs> it's fun though. It's so much fun. That's why I kind of prefer that, you know, over the CGI because it's just it's fun to me. It's fun, you know. Well, anytime you can shoot practically, it's not only cheaper, but I think it looks better. Yeah, but yeah. there are some things that just are, you know, they're not plausible. Yeah. You have to use CG at that point. So, oh well, yeah. Yeah, kind of like the Thor movie where they're spinning up through mm -hmm. the universe. Yeah, the <laughs> yeah you're not going to find that in the real world. <laughs> now we've done see, you know, we've done scenes where we did CG backgrounds and and we had people flying on wires and doing things like that, and then we just paint out the wires and put it in the background because we did it all on green screens. But you know, even those things, you know, it doesn't take. But you know, uh, you, somebody could fall and die with a six foot drop. Oh yeah. So, you know, the safety factor is always there. There's always a, a, a level of danger present anytime you're doing anything like that. So, you know, and we had one one thing I shot for a friend of mine. It was a teaser for his feature. And we had people flying around on wires in a warehouse. It was, it was pretty intense, you know, putting that kind of thing together and making sure everybody, you know, not only didn't crash into each other, but nothing could fail and yeah. cause them to fall. Wow. It. Yeah, I mean, it's dangerous. It is dangerous. So getting back to on set soldiers, yep. is that worldwide or are you just doing that in Atlanta or you want to expand we're, that? 
we started in Atlanta, but the program, because it's a 501c3, we can run the program pretty much anywhere. Um, you know, I want to eventually change the, not change, but spread it to any major film city. So we, do, we could do it in LA, we could do it in New York, we could do it in Louisiana, Las Vegas, Ohio, um, Ohio, Kentucky, you know, there's, because it's not only benefiting the veterans, but it's also creating qualified, trained film production staff for that area. So like when I started with film in Atlanta, we were running, you were lucky if you could run maybe, you know, eight or 10 sets at one time and have enough people to to crew those sets. Now, the last time I checked was about a year ago, it was like 42 productions at a time going here in Georgia. So to increase the amount of productions that you can do in an area, you have to increase the amount of talent that you have to be able to take those jobs. So it's a huge benefit to not only the veterans, but to the communities that they're working in. Because um, with film comes income and, you know, taxes mm-hmm. and direct spending to a region where, you know, it benefits more employees, more, you know, there's a lot of pluses to it. Yeah, so that would be yeah. a great idea. Yeah. Yeah, maybe yeah, we can talk about a couple things. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. So I mean, Ohio is program... growing pretty big. It, it is slowly, but you know the tax incentives are getting better. So there's more things that are coming, which is yeah, great. I, I filmed some commercials in Ohio and Kentucky, and and yeah. you know there's there's been some stuff up there I've been able to be a part of. So the bipolar so, yeah, weather. Exactly. <laughs> I grew up in a cold state, so it doesn't bother me. But you know. Yeah, like it was probably 40 something degrees at my house five days ago and it was 70 last night. Yeah, it's like 50 something here today. Mm-hmm. I don't really nice get town. to leave my house much, but yeah, I know it feels kind of good out there. <laughs> right. But yeah, but I mean, if, if if we can get to the point where we can spread, I would like to see two to three programs a year at each location, which also increases yeah. the ability for the company to become self-sustaining financially. Because as we produce content, um, I've got partners um, with distribution that are with like uh, Amazon, Netflix, and Hulu. We've got yeah. you know theat- or theatrical distribution with um, Warner Brothers, Paramount, and Universal. So through the partners, I've got an ability to distro whatever it is we're doing. And then as those start to make money in, in viewing or ticket sales or streaming, then it directly ports back into the nonprofit. And then at some point we become, you know, a self-sustaining entity and we are running on our own funds. We no longer have to depend on, you know, will Coca-Cola give us something or will, you know, this, this company be able to give us something this year. And it, it generates income, not only for us, but for the veterans too, because the more films that we do, the more we're able to bring back people that have graduated to work with the people that are in the program get them trained, get them on the job, you know, experience and resume lines, because in yeah. film, it's all about your resume. So That's they leave true. with a training certificate saying, yes, I've worked all this. They've experienced a, a multitude of departments, decided which one they like the best and what one they want to pursue. And then they can actually take that career forward because they leave with a resume that says, I already worked on a film. Yeah. So it's it's a bonus. It's a win win all the way around. And the company is generating income off of these projects and they're able to keep doing what we want to do and spread and, and do what you're talking about in different cities. Do you accept on your website? I, because I didn't get to go all the way through that website. Is there a donation link where you guys can accept? There is. I think I have to fix it. But more of what we are doing with donations now is a one on one. 
Mm-hmm. I want to talk to the person that's wanting to donate so that they can understand exactly what we do. They have questions they can ask. Mm-hmm. And then I could personally email uh, a donation receipt to them. Yeah. Um, you know, we've, we've done it in the past where we went through, you know, there's, there's different websites that you can get into as a nonprofit and attract donors. But a lot of the time we've, we've done local businesses because it impacts locally first. So we've had a bunch of small businesses that decided like when we did the Thanksgiving uh, event, they wanted to be a part of that. And then we put all their links on the website. So all the donors actually have a hyperlink to their business. Yeah. That's the kind of personalized attention I like to give people when they're coming and trying to help us do something. I want to help them do something. That's, that's how, that's exactly how I am. I always take whatever links I can find if they don't have a link tree and I'll try to get as many as I can, you know, on the page and then the resources for the soldiers. Also, I've got that with God there. I don't even know how many resources I have on there now for the soldiers, but I I love doing that. And even if, you know, they're not wanting to be actors as far as your, your program, there are other jobs that they can be doing. You know, there are cameras, lighting. Well, that's, that's what we train is actually the production yeah. side of things. So they want to yeah. work in the camera department or sound or set deck, props, whatever. Yeah. We're teaching them about the behind the scenes work so they can come in and they can actually experience it, decide what works best for them with their skill set. And then we can... You know, we can help them with how do I get in the union? What union is right for me? How do I find the work? Where is it listed? Where is it posted? And then we have all the resources to be able to not only train them with the equipment that they would be using on a real set, but then how to take that training and actually transform that into a full career. Yeah, I love it. I love that. That's awesome. Seriously, because that puts a lot of people who don't know what they're going to do when they get out of the military, it gives them a job. It it gives you an opportunity to maybe access something that wouldn't be normally available because film is very, you know, it's very lucrative job because you get to do things that most jobs don't like every week is something different. Every film is something different, but getting in is still somewhat clickish. If you don't know somebody, how do you get in? So we're creating that, you know, how, who do they know? Well, they know us. They know all the department heads that I bring in to teach them. And all those department heads are people that actually run film sets that can hire them. So they're getting a network of people. And then we have a Facebook page where everybody that goes to the program is then injected into this Facebook group. So let's say we have a, you know, say 2024, we have a program. And then in 2027, that same person that graduated in 24 is on a set saying, I need five more people for my lighting department or electric department, or I need five more gaff or you know grips or whatever they can put it in the group first and find out if anybody else that's gone through the program is available and then it becomes you know a network and an internal kind of job board that is great i love it i really do that is you're awesome (laughs) for doing that that. you're awesome man i'm telling you okay so before we close this out let's tell everybody what the uh, website is even though it's on the resource. Um, it, it's it's being rebuilt right now, but it's onsetsoldiers.org. Okay. Um, that is the official web address for it. I'm, I'm, I'm in the process of trying to figure out a way to clean, make it more streamlined, I guess. Yeah. Um, because some of the stuff that we were doing before, I don't know how some will be able to bring it back. So the golf tournaments and the fishing with veterans and different programs we wanted to run, I'm, I'm kind of 
scraping it down and starting again because after COVID and after a long period of time, it's I almost feel like I need to rebrand in a way and then do kind of a PR push on it. Um, you know, we're, we've got, I've got a company that we just recently started in Vegas with some partners and we're, we're looking at that as the priority to get some projects going and then trying to tie in how we could bring in the, the nonprofit at some point uh, and then create a West coast kind of a presence. Yeah. So right now, I mean, we are on Facebook. Um, you know, we had a Twitter page. It's really kind of go time to get that stuff all fired back up. Now that we actually have, you know, film is back to normal. We're past the strikes. We're past COVID yeah. and we can get some stuff done. I know what you're saying about the uh, changing the website. I always change mine. I think people get confused sometimes because I'll get these ideas that just flow in my head after I've already launched something. And then I'm like, well, damn, it could be better. Then I'll go in and start changing. And then I know that they're having a problem. (laughs) But, you know, I want it to be great, you know, not just a little bit. I want it to be great. So these ideas. we're constantly evolving, too, as a program. So. You know, pages will change. We may add in uh, different things and at different times. And um, we try to keep, you know, events up to date, things that we're doing. Um, you know, I even had at one point that, you know, and I'm still doing it now, but uh, local veterans, you know, elderly veterans that can't get out and mow their lawn. I went out and spent $10,000 on lawn equipment just so that I could send the gear. If I had to do it myself, I could go and I could, you know, help that veteran out by mowing their lawn and, and getting their yard in shape. Um, you know, most of those guys are men and women are on fixed income, so they're not able to hire lawn services. And, you know, if you get sick and you can't do it for two, three months, then you start getting fined by your city and your county. Yeah. So being able to step in and just say, all right, I got this. Don't worry about it. We're going to get you into code compliance. That kind of thing is something That's else awesome. we're trying to add. Um, any, any way to help, you know, whether that be, we go in and partner with a local grocery store and provide holiday meals or something, you know, the, lots of things outside of film, but still veteran oriented. Mm-hmm. Every little bit counts. Absolutely. Absolutely. Every little bit counts. That's, that's the way it is, man. So, All right, you guys, we are definitely saying thank you, Jeff, for being on today and we'll get your program. Definitely push that to as many people as we can, because I, just, I, I, I that. love that. I love it. Um, And we're going to tell everybody, thank you for watching. Thank you to all our veterans. We love you guys. Have a good one. Bye.